Therefore, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Father, we come to you this morning and we celebrate our freedom that we have in Jesus. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from darkness. We've been set free from bondage. We've been set free from sickness. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Jesus, your son, this morning. And so we release that freedom right now to those that need it, Lord. We release to those who are lost that need to know you. We release it to those who are infirm with a healing presence of your spirit. So, Father, we just worship you this morning. We thank you for our country. We pray for her safety. We pray for her revival. We pray for the mighty work that you're going to do in the hearts of the people. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
who can stop the Lord Almighty? Think about that. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Yes. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord celebrate as American patriots, but you know the greatest day of your life is when you celebrate the freedom from sin and hell and the grave, amen, and that was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus, amen, hallelujah, so when we sing this next song, I want you to think about that and what Jesus did for you at the cross, because with Jesus' blood comes so many benefits that we get to share in our Christian walk. And even though Jesus said, you will have trials and tribulations, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So let's sing this next song. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Oh, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Oh, till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there Oh 
over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there's peace within his presence. I speak Jesus. Can we just worship real quick? Just worship, just press in, close your eyes. Do whatever you do just to get in the presence of God today. Breathe on me. Thank you, Jesus. Breathe on me. Holy Ghost power. Breathe on me. Because yesterday's gone. And today I'm in need, Lord. Holy Ghost power. Breathe on me, Holy Ghost. Oh, breathe on me, breathe on me, Holy Ghost power, breathe on me, yesterday's gone, and today I'm in need, oh, Holy Ghost power, breathe on me, burning me, burning me, oh, burn See this, Dr. KK. this week just stay in the presence of the Lord and walk in that freedom that we have through his grace. I'm going to ask our ushers if they come forward right now. Lord, would you pray over our offering this morning? Of the coming of the Lord, he is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath were stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Oh,
across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy let us live to make men free while God is marching on oh glory glory hallelujah glory glory hallelujah oh glory glory hallelujah our God is marching children go to children's freedom. Great to see everybody this morning. Amen. Um, we are excited about the day. What a great day. It's the day we celebrate our independence. It's the day we celebrate the greatest country on the face of the earth. Amen. Glory to God. No question about it. Uh, I'm going to talk about church for just a second, and then we're going to get into the message. Um, I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to take us back. I'm going to pull us back 
from back in January up to July, I just want to take a minute and talk with you uh, about a few things. And the first and most important thing is, hey, guys, just obey the Spirit. Okay, just obey the Spirit. Um, I, I think there are moments in our services where God's wanting to speak to us, yield to him. Okay, let's be obedient to him. I believe the gifts want to operate. I'm not going to take that over. I'm going to yield that to the Spirit. But I feel and sense that and have a few times in the last uh, month or two. And there's windows and moments where I believe he's wanting to speak to us. So yield to that. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well as the operation of the gifts of the Spirit that are taught in the Scripture and instructed in the Scripture uh, and that give us the window and the picture in, in Corinthians 12 through 14 about the operation of those gifts centered right in between that in 13 is how that spirit should operate in you. Uh, and if it's not operating the way it is in 13, then 12 and 14 are useless to us. But we know the scripture teaches us. You say, this ain't got nothing to do with independence. It doesn't. But just stay with me for just a second. Um, the, the spirit teaches us that, that there's this thing called love. Amen. Our mission is what? Evangelist's mission is loving people. Amen. So if we're loving people, then the Spirit's free to work, and then 12 and 14 is going to work. They're going to work. They're going to operate. He's going to move. He's going to flow in our, in, our, in, our, in our services. He's going to speak and give us a message and an interpretation and a word of exhortation. And he'll give us a, word, a prophetic word, and he'll, he'll, he'll flow in this place. The, the gift of faith will operate, which is already operating. I believe the gift of faith is operating because we've seen two big events take place. I'm going to mention those. Since the first of the year, we had a big drive for our music program to be upgraded, and we took in over 40, well, close to $5,000, if I'm correct. And then uh, we just hit our mark for our uh, $6,550 we needed for our media upgrade. So um, I, I'm, I'm just saying those are all just steps of faith on our part, the work of that gift operating in our, in our church, in our midst, and a reminder to us that we keep putting in the bulletin and it's at the bottom of this. It talks about the percentage we'd reached last week. But uh, it says the miracle's in the house. Listen, God wants to do stuff, but he'll use us to do it. Amen? So the miracle of healing is here because he wants to use us and our faith to do that. The miracle of, 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 of generosity is here and the, the freedom to see the, the miraculous done within our midst and within our church and within this community because He's given it to us, and whatever his heart is for this church, he has put the miracle here to accomplish that among us and in us and through us. Amen? All right, back to independence. I just felt like I need to exhort y'all a little bit and give you, a, give you some encouragement because I know he's wanting to work. So, uh, man, so today some of y'all are going to go eat ribs and chicken. Others of y'all probably going to grill a ribeye. I'm going to be jealous of you. And still others like Debbie and myself this year will support establishments where others are selling their 4th of July merchandise because we got no way to grill or cook really at the house right now. <laughs> Happy 4th of July. <laughs> we all enjoy uh, our freedom as Americans, okay? And so... Uh, I want to say this, we enjoy those freedoms in part because of our armed forces and the price that um, they paid for this freedom that we enjoy. 
we also acknowledge our forefathers. We don't want to overlook the fact that there were a group of men who boldly and courageously made decisive, took decisive action to create what we know as a Declaration of Independence, whereby we declare as individuals and citizens of this great nation, we hold these truths to be self-evident. I don't have to do anything else other than to say this truth, and it presents itself as an evidence of who God is and what he wants to do in us and through us. That all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen. Isn't it a great day to be an American? Man, there's never been as much opposition within the country and there's never been a greater time to stand up for the country. Amen. We are the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what you've seen on Instagram or Facebook or through Twitter. Turn it off. Unfollow them if you have to. Don't listen to them. It's a shame when the greatest story in media about Olympics is when someone stands against our country rather than to celebrate the ones who have achieved something for our country. And in the name of our country. So I'm a little fired up this morning. Because we enjoy the rights of it as Americans. Okay? To own land, own a home, pursue our dreams, speak our mind, uh, stand up for our beliefs, practice our religions, and do really stupid stuff in the name of these freedoms. Can I just say it like that? Can I just get that out there? There are people that do really crazy, dumb stuff because they're free to do that. And you know what? I don't hear any guy who's stood on a line or who's crawled through mud or who's fought for this country and lost buddies in, this, in the battle that don't say, hey, look, that's okay. Because we did it so they could do that. We did it so that we could fly a flag that tells them you're free to do that. So it's all due to brave souls who made the freedom possible. And I'd be remiss to, to, do, to stop there. These men and women were not all who died for it. There was another. For those who believe, those who have faith, Independence Day started long before July the 4th, 1776. The greatest Independence Day didn't begin in 1776 in America. It began actually on Golgotha, the day that Jesus hung on an old rugged cross and shed his blood for me. That day, though I was late in the game, became the greatest day of spiritual dependence for me I've ever experienced in my life and changed the course of my life. I want you to hear Luke 23. If you've got your Bible, you can go there, verse 33 and following. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. 
The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Then a sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, and this is our cry, this is every one of us. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land till 3 o'clock, and the light from the sun was gone. Suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle, and Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands, and with those words, he breathed his last. So we celebrate what we call independence today, but there's a, there was a day of dependence I'm not talking about independence. I'm not talking about me getting to the place where I can do what I want to, when I want to, how I want to, where I want to, with who I want to. I'm talking about a day of dependence that's centered around one person, about one, about one event, and about one opportunity that I had. It was offered to me in Christ. It was called the day of salvation. It was the day I realized Jesus truly was the Son of God. You read on, you see that the soldier in that passage comes to that realization and it hits him and he says, truly, truly. I mean, that's where we have to get to, to the point to where we say, truly, this Jesus really is who he said he is. He really has done for me. And I didn't deserve it and I didn't earn it. I can't do anything to gain it. He did it for me. And for you, there are people in the world right now who are not free socially or politically. They're in prison, literally in prison, unable to practice their faith in Christ because of their practice of faith. They can't go outside in the public and practice it. They have to meet in homes and hiding and around this world. They, they meet and they gather and, and they, it's exponential, the growth that's happening in those who are having the houses of prayer and they're meeting in basements and they're, they're taking the one piece of scripture that they were given a month or six weeks earlier in secret and they're, they're talking about it and they're studying it and they're reading it and they're growing in their faith and God is miraculously and powerfully showing up and changing their lives. But they're free because of their love and devotion to Jesus. Man, it's all, it's all confusing, it seems like at times. There are people who, because of what Jesus has done for them, are free from the prison of their past, free from the free to live for God in the present, um, enjoying life that, like they never thought they could have. And the question is, how do we get that? What's the secret? How do we? Is there something you buy? Is there something you inherit? Something you 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 got to do? And the fact is, no. To experience spiritual dependence to experience this day of dependence this day of salvation that's going to affect how we live and and face life on earth from from that from the day we choose it forward um, 
has everything to do with Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus. Do you hear me? You've got to come to Jesus. If you're online, I'm telling you, you've got to come to Jesus. If you're sitting in the pew in here this morning, you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come and surrender to Christ. You've got to come to the realization of what he did when he shed his blood, as we sang about it, and where he, he, he spoke openly, as we just read, and said, they don't know what they're doing, Father. There was a bigger plan in place. There was a bigger idea that was happening. There was a bigger understanding that was happening. And in that moment, salvation was purchased for you and I. I'm going to read a verse to you here. It's in John 8. It's another passage, verses 31 through 36. If you want to look on the screen, it'll come up. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and truth will set you free. Now, here's the great verse. It's verse 33 because it's interesting what it says. Put it on the screen. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. I'm going to give you three things real quick this morning. I'm going to present to you three steps to spiritual dependence. I'm going to give them to you with some historical truth about this about people that were part of this nation that, that struggled with slavery, okay? And then I, from that, I want to I give you a challenge right in the end. So the first, I'm going to give you these three spiritual dependencies, these, these, these three steps to spiritual dependence. The first one is this, realize you're a slave. Now, we struggle with that. We wrestle with that thought and that idea. Fact is, if you... And I'm going to go to that verse that we put up just a minute ago, verse 33 in John 8. Fact is, if you don't know your sleeve, then freedom means nothing. Think about that for a second. If you don't know you're a slave, then freedom means nothing to you. You don't understand what freedom is because you've never known anything other than slavery. So if, if you don't know you're a slave, then freedom means nothing. These guys made this statement, we are Abraham's descendants and have Never been slaves to anyone. So this is the amazing thing to me about that statement. They somehow missed the Ten Commandments of Charleston Heston. I don't get it. How can anyone not watch that show? How could you not understand what's happening here? How could you not realize the struggle? What were they thinking? I got a better one for you. The fact is they, they not only had this short-term memory loss that was functioning within them, Every year, they had a celebration called the Passover. Every year, they had this celebration called the Passover, which celebrated the way God delivered them from what? From Egypt, from slavery. We've never been slaves to anyone, yet there's a celebration happening every year. We are all like that, guys. We're all like that. We have this short-term memory that we, that we, oh, if everything's going good, why do we need to worry about that? Why do we need that to affect us? I mean, I've I never been slaved anyway. I'm not a slave to anything. They've been slaves for over 400 years in Egypt, not to mention all the exiles that had taken place. And this passage specifically mentions slavery, but it mentions slavery in a different fashion and form. It mentions slavery to sin. Okay, 
And that's the main area of slavery and the main thing we deny having any part of most of the time. We don't want to own up to sin. We don't want to own up to its power on our life. We don't want to own up to what it is. Sin, who, me? We sort of have that idea. Jesus said everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So let's talk about what sin is. What is sin? I'm going to give you the most basic definition I can give you of what sin is, okay? Sin is anything that goes against God. It's about as plain as we can get. Sin is anything that goes against God. We can debate about types of sin, and there's a lot of discussion that we could have there, whether some sins are worse than others. We, we could have a lot of discussion there, but the bottom line is sin goes against God. And when we look at this, how, how do we know what goes against God? The Bible, right? The Word of God. And, 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 and we learn what God likes and what He dislikes from His Word, right? And so I need to be in His Word. I need to be following His teachings if I want to understand what sin is and His power on my life. And we learn that we'll answer to God from the Word for our sin, right? So, I think most people know when they sin. I think the scripture tells us, the Bible says that God's given us all a conscience. Amen? And, and that conscience helped guide us. Even if, we, even if we don't know exactly what to call it or who it is that's checking us or the, what this conscience is designed for, we all have this thing that checks us, which leads us to this, this thought and this question, why does sin enslave us? Why? Does sin enslave us? What is sin? It's, it's anything that goes against God. So why does it enslave us? Why does it have this power over us? So I'm going to give you the most simple and the worst example I can give you. Because it's, it's the most fun. We have this thing at the hunting club every year. So we got this little cabin built, and, and for years we would go down there, and we wouldn't do a lot during the summer. And so we'd get to, we'd get to the hunting club in the fall, and the big thing was to set out mousetraps. Because we shared our cabin with the mice during the summer. So they'd come in there and hang out. And then so soon the hunt season come, we'd set traps. All night long, we'd get rid of them. Everything's good for the rest of the season. Y'all laugh, but it kept the ladies out of our cabin. <laughs> Deep down in the, mo in the soul of every man, there's a motive. Okay? And so we were very, I know, I know. I need to move on, don't I? Yeah. Here's the catch to that, though. It's not about the hunting club. It's about the mousetrap. Mousetraps look inviting to the mouse, but it's super deadly. Stay with me now. Mice are drawn in to the bait. They're drawn into the bait. They're drawn into the cheese or the peanut butter really good. You can really pack it in up under the little curled thing right there. They're drawn into that, and then, then before they know it, it hits them. Dead mouth. Go empty and reload. 
The mousetrap looks inviting, the bait offers pleasure, and sin's the same way. If I'm taking, if I'm going to just be totally, if we're going to be transparent here, sin looks inviting, offers pleasure to the person. And I'm going to be incredibly transparent to you. Uh, can I? Yeah. Sin really is inviting because it is pleasurable, the scripture says, for a season, but it is for the most part. So I. I'm not acting like, oh, sin, you know what? No, no, it's attractive. It's pleasurable. It tastes incredible. Nobody thinks, so, nobody thinks, I'm, I'm, I'm having a really good day. I, I think I'll go do something sinful because it'll, I want to feel bad. No, no. They go do sinful stuff because why? It makes them feel good. They follow this path and experience pleasure for a little while, but when your head's in the trap, you're caught. And that's, that's, I would say that's the key difference between a mousetrap and sin. Um, you can see the mousetrap on the mouth. You can't see sin on the person. And so we can slip around and we can act like everything's good. We can, we can, we can present the best of ourselves and we can... We can, we can have, we can dress and, 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 and do all this stuff to look so presentable. It'd be a whole lot easier if I had a huge mousetrap on my head. I thought about how to do this. But have y'all ever felt one of those mousetrap clothes? I was going to hang a couple on my ears, and I thought, man, that'd be horrible. That'd be killing my ears. So I didn't do any of it. So I backed out of all of the examples I was going to give y'all. I couldn't figure out one big enough to put on my head or any of that stuff. But I'm going to give you this, this mental image. Hey, David, you've got a huge mousetrap on your head. What's going on, man? You know, if somebody approached me and said that, I would think at some point I'd go, <laughs> is that what that is? I, I, thank God you saw it. I've been struggling to go through the doorways. I've been hitting stuff and couldn't figure out what it was. Do y'all realize that's what sin is doing to us? It will trap us, and the next thing you know, we won't be able to go into the doorways and into the places and into the presence that God is calling us into. And before long, we'll be out there, not in here, and away from everybody. And before long, we'll be so trapped that death will start to take hold of us. Sin's not so obvious even to the person who's trapped because sin seems good. It's, it, it doesn't seem like a trap, but it is. And the good news is that unlike the mouse, we can get out of the trap. We can get out of the slavery of sin. We can find freedom, which leads us to this second step, okay? So the first one is, and we, we try, to, try to repeat this so that we get this. The first one is realize you're a slave. The second one is this, find the way to freedom, the way. Find the way to freedom. There's not just freedom out there. There's a way to freedom, okay? And so here's your history lesson for the day. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about another church, the Wesleyan Church. The Wesleyan Church was deeply active and involved in the anti-slavery movement. If you go back and you study it, particularly they had an involvement in the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad, Railroad was a network of people, okay? People, homes, even churches where runaway slaves would go and, and get into it and be tr moved through it on their way to Canada. Okay? 
And since slavery was legal, according to federal law, states couldn't at the time allow runaways to just go free and live in freedom, at least not without the threat of federal involvement or federal intervention that allowed slave owners to come and to, to retrieve the runaways. So, so, so I say all that uh, because I want you to understand just wanting freedom wasn't enough. Getting away from the plantation wasn't enough. You had to get to Canada. And if you, if you, if you didn't know the way, then you ran this incredible risk of getting lost, getting recaptured, or even losing your life because you did, I mean, you, you could die out there. So what's that got to do with what we're talking about today? Well, simply wanting freedom isn't enough. We have to find the way to freedom. There's only one way to spiritual freedom. It's in Jesus through the Son. John 14, 6 makes this statement. Jesus told them, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's a lot of freedom ways presented out there. There's a lot of people presenting their, their way to freedom this day and time, but there's only one way, and you and I know that. That's why you're here, because you found it, and you don't want to let it go. Uh, the only way to spiritual freedom is following Jesus and his teaching. It starts, it's, 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 it starts by putting your trust in him and what he, what he did at Calvary, where he... What he did when he hung on the cross, it's, it, it continues as you grow in faith, as you read the Bible daily and you put into the action what it says. So, so there's this practice on our part. I want to stress the word action right here because it's not, it's not enough to just, just have a Bible. It's not enough to just read it on occasion. It's not enough to just come to church. Jesus made this statement in James 1, 22 through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Think about that for a second. And if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Who? This has always been a wrestling point for me. Who forgets what they look like? Who forgets what they look like? I mean, if you're sitting here thinking, for the life of me, I don't remember what I look like. You got bigger problems than what I'm talking about right here. Right? Right? Come on, think about that for a second. Some of you online folks may not remember what you look like because you just got up and turned TV on and haven't been to the mirror. And I don't want to harp on that. Check the mirror before the day's over. But all of you got ready. All of you got, everybody here got ready. I got ready this morning. I remember I hadn't shaved since Wednesday and it was looking rough, boy. It was looking rough. So I got to shave this morning. We dug for about 30 minutes and we found a little thing that clipped my, my, my little thing here. And so I got all that cleaned up and so. And I did look, realize I really need a haircut, and so uh, that's happening this week. And so I, I, I saw all that. I saw all that. I saw all that. So I'm just saying, I remember that. I remember that, Austin. I remember that. You, you look good. You took time in the mirror today. You did. You look really good. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Yeah. So, so nobody forgets what they look like, and, but yet he uses this example. Who does that? Nobody does that. Nobody looks in the mirror and forgets what they look like. But, 
But the word of God is our mirror, so why do they not forget what they look like? Because when you look, you realize, oh my gosh, I got to do something. I mean, my bed head is taking over. I got to wet my hair. Y'all, bedhead's a real thing. Y'all know that, don't you? If you don't know that, go 6.30 in the morning to Lowe's. Walk down through the aisles and check some of them folks out. I mean, I know it's early, but it's worth the trip if you just want to study bedhead. I'm talking about <laughs> some folks, I mean, they couldn't spit it enough to lay it down. We don't forget what we look like, but that yet we, we come to church, we listen to the message, and we leave. Next thing you know, we don't forgot what the Word of God said. We back out there, caught in sin. We, we, the trap's got us. We've been lured into the bait. We just, we just totally miss it. Crazy. That's crazy, but it's how people approach the Scriptures. They look at the Scriptures, but don't do anything with what they hear or what they read or what they, they don't apply. You've got to apply it. Taking action to follow Jesus is important. Being, being good doesn't do it. Being charitable doesn't do it. Going to church doesn't do it. Jesus is the only way to spiritual freedom. Which takes us to the third thing. If by chance you realize that you are a slave to sin, and if you have reached a point to where you have found the way to freedom, then I want to tell you what your challenge is today. Hold on to dear life. Hold on to freedom. Hold on to freedom. Don't let it go no matter what. I'm saying that to us as Americans too. We need to hold on to the freedom. We need to stand up for what we know is right. We need to hold on to the truths that are self-evident. We need to hold on. In other words, don't let the chains of sin put you back, get back, be put back on you. Hold on to freedom. Don't, don't go back to the slavery that you were freed from. Um, hold on to the teachings of Jesus. Hold on to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Be filled so with the Spirit that he completely and entirely takes over. Begins to control your thoughts and your actions and guide you and direct you. I'm going to give you this last question. I think it's the last one. Yeah, I think it is. Last question. I know I'm a lot. I got a lot of questions. Just because the Underground Railroad existed, did that mean that the slaves were free? No. They had to take advantage of the railroad, take the dangerous journeys. Just because we have a Savior, does that mean that everyone is saved? No. To be saved, you need to take advantage of the way of salvation. Believe in and trust in Jesus as your Savior. That's the way. It's not an issue of taking a dangerous journey. If you're listening online, it's an issue of trust. It's an issue of putting your faith in Jesus and trusting him with your life. The runaway slaves had to trust people 
they had never seen before along the railroad. They had to just trust that these people had the best interest in mind for them. They had to trust them with their lives that they were going to make it. In the same way, it's the same way with Jesus. He's asking you to trust him with your life. And you may never have encountered him before, may never have found him or heard about him before, but, but you can trust that he loves you and that he did what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin was real and it's powerful. And we're all that have believed the evidence of it. So I'm going to give you the last thought. I said no more questions, just the last thought. Like those traveling the Underground Railroad, just because you've crossed the border doesn't mean you're free. You know, they would cross the border into Canada, and there was a sense of relief that would come on. But, if, it, but, but here's the thought and an application to this. If, you, if, 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 if you've crossed over, so for them, when they crossed over, they had to act like they were citizens in Canada. They had to adapt and become that person. And that's the transforming power of Christ. Once you have believed in Christ, you have to act like once you've crossed that border, once you've crossed that threshold to believe in Jesus, you have to act like you have to you have to practice the beliefs. You have to practice following Jesus. Because you have to act like you're a citizen of heaven now, right? Stop doing those things that go against God. Begin to do those things and act on those things you see in the scripture that show you are for God, not against him. If you've never admitted your sin, if you've never believed in Jesus to forgive your sin, man, what a great day, amen? What a great day for you to make that choice. Will you bow your heads with me? If you're here this morning, I'm going to just give this call. I'm just going to make it as simple as I can. Admission, belief, confession, all those things are simple acts, but necessary acts. Acts that are required of us if we're going to follow Jesus. We have to admit that we're a slave to sin. We have to admit that. We have to come to that, that, that reality. If you don't believe you're a slave to sin, then, then freedom means nothing to you because you don't understand the freedom that is in Christ. But I'm saying to you, there's something that he has done for you that if you could accept it and believe in him and receive the forgiveness of sin he offers, there is going to be a transformation take place in you. The scripture uses the word regenerate. He's going to bring to life that part of you that you were created to walk in and to live in, that newness of spirit, that new creature in Christ Jesus it says where old things are passed away they're passed down they're behind you and all things become new where he's actively involved in decisions and life and relationships and planning and provision and protection and guidance he's there he's working I know this to be true I found it to be very self-evident. I found him to be my Savior. And he offers that to you. It's a decision you need to make. If you're online, I'm speaking to you. It's an, it's an opportunity. 
to start over. It's a do-over, but it's a whole new life. It's a whole new work. Now, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to go out and have a new car and go home to a new house and have a new family. You do have a new family. It's the family of God. But you'll see your house different, your car different. Everything will be different because you're trusting him and he's working in you and he's transforming you. If that's you and you need Christ in your life, I just want you to think for a moment. Have I been snared? Have I been trapped by my sin? Has something, as even though it's been pleasurable and fun, has it kept me from Jesus, from depending on Jesus? And if it has, today's your day of freedom. Today can be your day of salvation. Today can be your day. You just have to choose it. Will you stand with me this morning, everyone? So if you're here this morning, here's what we're going to do. If you're here and you need Christ as your Savior and Lord, this is truly Independence Day. It's July the 4th. It doesn't get better than that. We have church on the day of, that we celebrate our freedom. But man, how awesome it is to give an invitation to experience true freedom. A dependence on God, a dependence on His power to change us and transform us, a dependence on Him to set us free from sin and from the control and the, the power of sin and to have Jesus come into our life, the Spirit of God to come and to restore us and renew us and to make us new. The Bible says that we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's, man... I'm so thankful that he made me new. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful. So if you're here this morning and that's you, you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, to admit the power of sin that's controlled you and that you want to be free from that and you want to start the journey. We talked about this journey. If that's you, you want to start the journey with Jesus. You want to start this journey with Jesus. I'm going to open up this altar and ask you to just come down. Let us pray with you, agree with you. I know that's out front. Man, that's, oh, I thought you were just going to ask me to raise my hand. You're going to pray for me. Well, the Bible says we have to believe in our heart in Jesus, but he also said we have to confess with our mouth. So this is an opportunity to make a confession, to make a decision publicly. That's why we do it the way we do it, that you, we invite you to the altar so that we can pray with you and so that we can celebrate with you so that others can see it's a decision that you're making because if you can't make it in here, you won't make it out there. Amen? You won't make it in here, you won't make it out there. It's a public choice and decision. So every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, that's you and you need prayer and you need Christ to come into your life, you need to confess your need for Jesus and you need to, you want to make the decision to follow him from this day forward, I invite you to come, come to this altar right now, anyone anyone you're here this morning that's you you want to make a decision to follow Jesus anyone if you're online I'm talking to you right now these people's heads are bowed because they're praying that the spirit of the Lord will speak to you and encourage you to make a decision to follow Jesus to surrender your life and your heart to Christ if you're in this in this building this morning you don't need to go out 
without having experienced the powerful work of salvation. This is your day. This is a day of salvation for you. You can come to this altar and make that decision. If that's you, I'm inviting you to come. I'm not rushing. I've got 10 minutes. I'm just saying, we got time for you. I'm not going to hold out 10 minutes, but I'm saying, hey, Father, we just pray the Holy Spirit work in hearts and lives this morning, that you draw, your spirit draws. And so what they're feeling in their heart this morning is the draw of the Holy Spirit to come to Jesus. You got to come to Jesus. You got to come to Jesus. You got to come to Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak that into the heart and the life of any person here who's far from you. who's watching online who's really contemplating right now their life and what they're wrestling with we pray right now in the name of Jesus Father that your spirit visit them where they are that you envelop them that you just wrap them up with your love and your presence God and that you reveal Jesus to them in a very special and powerful way God that you call them in Call them into relationship. You're calling them into a relationship this morning. I pray they have a boldness to say, Jesus, I need you. I come to you. I ask you to, to forgive me of my sin, the thing that has set me against you. And I ask you to make me new, to wash me and cleanse me and make me new in spirit, mind, soul, even body, God, make me new. I pray for healing to come into that person right now in the name of Jesus. A healing to be manifest within them, in their body, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray over this congregation, Lord, we're all here, we're all here, we're all listening. We're listening, not to me, but to you, Lord. We need to hear you. We need to hear your voice speak. We need to hear you direct us, God. There are souls at stake. There are lives that... that they're weighed in the balance, Lord, and they're wanting. They need help. And God, we know them, and we give ourselves to the task of loving them in a way that they can find Jesus. You said our mission is loving people. This church's mission is loving people. So, Lord, today, empower us with a love that breaks chains and fetters, that tears down strongholds, that enables us to enter into the depth of a relationship that will pull them and call them out of the power and of the, the, the slavery that they are experiencing to sin and into a deep, powerful relationship with you, Jesus. We believe for that, Lord. We believe for that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.